2: I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today we're going to hear our first piece from our money and cancer issue. Before we jump in, though, have you downloaded your journal companion to this podcast yet? Hop over to wildfirecommunity.org the burn to get your own printable journal of some of our favorite writing prompts from this podcast. My goal, as always, is to get you writing so that you can experience the healing power. So go over to wildfirecommunity.org slash the burn to download your beautiful journal companion now. All right, let's get into our story today. So my question is, if we tell our breast cancer stories through the lens of how we feel about money, what can we learn? In 2012, on the day of my biopsy, I was 34 years old. I had just finished paying off my daughter's birth. I had other debts I was working away at. And here came yet another big unexpected bill. The day of the breast biopsy, I was instructed to bring $500 in cash to my radiology clinic. It was a lot of money for me that day. A stressful amount of money on top of being stressed about the lump in my breast. I remember feeling nauseous about that money. It didn't help that the receptionist told me that my $4,500 insurance deductible was quote-unquote awful. I had never given my deductible a second thought before, had never needed to. But all of a sudden, my insurance deductible was saying something about me. I felt judged and humiliated. I felt like a little kid trying to do grown-up medical things and failing. And this was before the word cancer was even uttered, and then the cascade of bills that came with that. So money stories tell us a lot. They tell us about our families, our beliefs, our loves, our traumas, our deep feelings. How do you feel? Our story today is going to get into one person's feelings about money. Within the pages of our brand new Money and Cancer issue, we have 16 writers, all diagnosed young with breast cancer, getting very vulnerable, and sharing how cancer has changed their relationship with money, and how that ultimately has transformed their lives. My guest today is one of these writers, as I said, and I am so excited that she's here with me today. Jean Chris is an author, a digital media entrepreneur, a festival and multimedia producer, a tech innovator, a post-surgical fashion designer, and a certified bra fitter. She was diagnosed with both stage 0 and stage 1 ductal breast cancer in her mid-40s. And since treatment, 15 years ago, Jean has had no evidence of disease. Welcome to The Burn, Jean. Thank you so much, April. Thanks, for Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you're here. So as I said, you are our first writer from the Money and Cancer issue to come on with me, and you are reading a piece that you called, My Million Dollar Boobs Led to a Million Words. So after you read, we will talk, and those of you listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat. All right, Jean, I'll let you take it
0: away. Thanks so much. I checked into the hospital December 20th, 2007, and was met with a zillion questions. Didn't the hospital administrators know me by now since the July 2007 bilateral breast cancer diagnosis? It took hours to get through their administrative reporting simply to check in while stressed to the max, waiting to lose my breasts. It must have been my seventh time returning since the initial bilateral lumpectomy, followed by radiation, along with other diagnostic surgical procedures I'd had. You see, I knew the drill far too well. I watched them place the IVs in my arm with gown on, catheterized, no panties on, and surgery anticipated to be about four hours. I was ready to spread my wings on the hospital gurney. Then a notification, my top docs were running late. Okay, just what the doctor ordered. More time for nerves to build up when all I really needed was a cup of chava. Up at the crack of dawn, don't they know a Starbucks gal needs a cup of coffee early in the morning? A neighbor, physician's spouse, popped in to amuse me and kill some time, but that was short-lived. I was on pins and needles, waiting, marked up like a jigsaw puzzle from my neck to my abdomen with a black Sharpie pen. My sweat was making the surgical lines smear all over my body, under the gown, and I looked like a strange board game. I was flushed and worried, then the kiss of death. Four top docs walked in to deliver some bad news. It was written all over their faces. Oh no, did the big C travel throughout my body before they could get it all out? Perhaps they didn't have proper staff to do the surgery that day. Equipment failure? My mind was racing all over the place for a few nanoseconds. Wandering, wondering. You could tell the nurses felt terrible too. Will someone please tell me what's going on here? Did someone die? Will someone please tell me? My breast surgeon, plastic surgeon, anesthesiologist, and the chairman popped in to relay the news. The suspense was killing me. Please guys, what's up? Dish it out. They explained in grave detail. Yes, someone died. The woman who ordered breast implants died yesterday. We're looking through her files to find the FedEx tracking number to locate them as they should have been here by now. They're insured for a million dollars per set. That's $2 million. She orders all implants and prosthetics for the hospital. Okay, I understand, but what does this have to do with me? We apparently did not keep good records, and if we don't have your implants, we cannot begin the procedure. You mean you don't have extras stocked on a shelf? I proclaimed in shock and dismay. We cannot open you up and do the reconstructive breast surgery without implants in-house. The good news is we have a tracer on the situation with FedEx. Oh yes, FedEx to the rescue. My new million-dollar boobs are lost in the mail. What's a hard-working cancer patient to do? I've waited a few months for this day. I ranted. They said... Each patient receives two sets because they are so expensive. Only one extra set or spare is on hand in case something happens during the surgery, along with the first pair. They are not kept on a bookshelf, nor in our surgical inventory with other surgical supplies. I was still in shock and now having heart palpitations. They waited until the last minute to inform me. I was catheterized, being administered drugs which relax you prior to surgery for hours, not the ones that put you out on a way to the operating room, so at least I was still lucid enough to read them the Ride Act. They went on to explain their options, since the anesthesiologist had other commitments that day. Seriously? Now I'm being put on the back burner? They said if the surgery did not begin by 2 p.m., it would be rescheduled in two weeks, two weeks, simply ridiculous. Please find some breast implants and let's try to make the surgery happen today. I had made arrangements with my employer and staff, coordinated things at home for childcare, and needed to have the surgery completed over the Christmas holiday. Please do what you can to make this happen. I just could not believe my ears and eyes. Two hours later, they returned, no FedEx in hand, my million dollar boobs were officially lost in the mail, like a check. I was in disbelief. They took my catheter and IV out and said, get dressed, you're going home. I asked if they would continue their search to find new implants, but I wasn't too hopeful and so very disappointed. Although this entire situation was not comical, I called my boss and a few friends about my new boobs being lost in the mail and had a few good laughs. Then I got dressed and went to breakfast at a local diner and enjoyed that. I thought, this could only happen to me. I went back to work for the rest of the day. Yes, that is what working women do best. Stay focused, keep busy even during crisis and trying times. After all, I still had the lopsided, real boobs, post-bilateral lumpectomies. They originally removed golf ball-sized tissue for salt and pepper speck-sized tumors, stage 0 and 1 DCIS. And then my bra straps would fall down and blouses would shift during business meetings. So humiliating. Well, lo and behold, the very next day, they found two sets of replacement implants, and I headed back to the hospital to be prepped again. One set came from a patient reserve, the other from another hospital. While while the hospital figured things out, I started all over again. They filled in the jigsaw puzzle, added the new markings with the Sharpie pen, prepped the IV and catheter for my bilateral skin-sparing vasectomy, followed by reconstructive surgery to take place December 21st, 2007. I dreamed of becoming a million-dollar babe or $2 million babe when I awoke, but my crazy journey was just beginning. While recovering at home, I planned an expensive home renovation to our master bath and kitchen. What's a recovering cancer patient or working woman to do but keep busy during times like these, right? I found this to be healthy for my mind, body, and soul wellness. While emptying those ugly drains and tubes, Wearing those ugly utilitarian bras that woke the neighbors every time I unlatched the Velcro, I got inspired at home. First, I researched women with million dollar boobs and learned JLo's legs were insured for a million dollars each. Comically, I thought perhaps it was time I got a bigger life insurance policy out on me, since my new rack was oh so valuable. I had another few good laughs to myself and wrote this all off, as simple as that. There was nothing I could do to change the circumstances of losing my breasts, but honestly I wondered, why do those implants cost so much? As I later learned, because I was one of the first clinical trial patients in the state of New Jersey undergoing gummy bear reconstructive surgery, all of this was happening pre-FDA approval which accounts for the high costs and low inventory. My recovery continued for four long years with ongoing complications and the bills piled up. You see, the breast surgeons left me with my chest cracked open on the OR table for over eight hours while waiting for the plastic surgeon to arrive. I contracted MRSA, a flesh-eating bacterial infectious disease that typically causes immediate death. After I escaped that with a 10-day hospital ward stay and strong drugs, I then contracted breast cellulitis three times, a lesser form of MRSA but still quite as painful and serious. I had additional implant complications over the next 18 months, one after the other, four bilateral implant replacements in total. My rack was Becoming so sore and valuable that I now felt like an $8 million babe, having had four sets by now. So, was my chest rich? Because my pocketbook said otherwise. The medical and surgical costs were exceeding a million dollars. When I saw those astounding bills pile in, I was so grateful for my health care insurance, but the out of pocket costs were quite high. I never planned for any of this financially, and it set me back in a big way. There are usually not positive outcomes with cancer and money. All you can do is hope for the best and realize that if you were made whole, in some shape and form, and are healthy, try to find the silver lining. I did that and called myself the bionic woman with million-dollar boobies who eventually became the magnet chick. Let me explain. While I thought about being the bionic woman, I realized I would like to document my journey. First, I created an Excel spreadsheet with all the necessary information, surgical dates, occurrences, procedures, physicians, hospitals, complications, comments, medicines, etc. This list became long and grew fast. When I realized this was not the norm for breast cancer recovery, I knew something wasn't right. I was thriving and surviving, yes, like the pink energizer bunny, but I knew these medical mishaps that prolonged my recovery should not be happening. This is when I took pen to paper and began to write my story. The good, the bad, and the humorous blossomed into a story about love, life, breast cancer, and the pursuit of happiness. I wrote a trilogy of my books in which I laid out survivorship as a young widow, followed by breast cancer later in life, walking through family and other life changes. Writing became therapeutic and cathartic. It helped me heal inside and out. All those awful medical experiences I let go of with pen and paper. I thrived on humor, positivity, creativity, and innovation. Eventually, finding my voice in writing led me to my next chapter, developing a comfortable wrap bra using magnets, a la Magnet Chick, with straps that don't creep down, that hold the medical drains and are contemporary colorful styles, and so on. But the story of my Crisscross Intimates collection is a story for another time. Life isn't about my million-dollar boobs. Rather, It's about the millions of words breast cancer has given me to thrive and drive life forward with fortitude, inspiration, and innovation in ways I never thought possible before.
2: Mm, Thank you so much, Jean. That was beautiful and powerful. Thank you. Yes. Well, let's take a quick break here. We'll let you catch your breath, maybe take a sip of water, and we'll listen to a testimonial.
1: Hi. My name is Megan Nathanson. In 2019, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer at the age of 45. This diagnosis was within weeks of a dear friend who had also recently been diagnosed. Throughout our treatment, my friend and I became like sisters navigating this difficult path together. It didn't matter that we had different challenges or made different decisions. Eventually, my friend introduced me to Wildfire magazine and the Wildfire community, encouraging me to share my writing about what was similar in our experiences. It took me a while, But finally, I submitted a story for consideration. I hoped my piece would be selected for the community issue, because while the presence and impact of cancer in my body had grown smaller, my sense of connection with all those surrounding me had blossomed. There may be no conveyance to the great beyond more powerful than the heart of a fellow traveler. To my delight, the piece I'd written, There Can Be Joy, was chosen to appear in a spread of gorgeous pages that launched in August, September 2021. Although Wildfire focuses primarily on the lives of women who have experienced breast cancer, I believe the stories shared within the magazine and on the Burn podcast transcend the singular topic, meeting anyone who reads or listens with an inspiring message. We can all grow and reflect on the human experience, celebrating our own unique survival. To the outside eye, it looked like Tara Coyote was living the perfect life in the suburbs with her musician husband, successful Pilates studio, and Brady
2: Bunch type family. What the outside world didn't see was the pivotal event that turned her life upside down. Grace Grit and Gratitude, a cancer thriver's journey from hospice to full recovery with the healing power of horses, is one woman's story of a profound bond with horses that carried her through nine years of pain trauma, cancer, and the challenges of loss. It is about finding the courage to face one's shadow in the darkest hour. Follow one woman's spiritual journey of pain, perseverance, and discovery with the unexpected power of resources and ancient teachings as her guide. Available online on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information about Tara, please go to CancerWarriorist.com. Thank you so much for the love, Megan, and thank you so much for supporting this podcast, Tara. Thanks, you guys. All right, turning back to Eugene, thank you again for your powerful writing. I'm excited to talk to you about it. Great. Thank you. So let's begin at the end of your essay and this transformation from patient to owning your voice and becoming an author. I know that you wrote a trilogy. Will you tell us a little bit more about that process and your books? Sure. So
0: I remember being in the hospital um, when I had MRSA and, you know, started documenting my journey. I realized I had a bigger story than the typical breast cancer patient. And so as I started to document that and really write down my my breast cancer journey, I was also going through divorce at the same time. I was being laid off from the corporate workplace at the same time. So I had many things happening in my personal life and it all affected me. And I came up with the name, My Pain Woke Me Up. Because not only the pain of breast cancer woke me up, physically and literally every day, but the pain of all the other traumatic life changes that I was going through. So I wrote the trilogy and focused the first book on the breast cancer survivorship um, and kind of stepped it back through my younger years being a young widow as a survivor, and then kind of walking forward through the breast cancer journey and finding the pursuit of happiness and the calm that comes after losing your breasts and how you adjust and adapt and kind of pivot maybe your life and your career. So I talked about that and provided resources because I also had joined the board of directors at Susan G. Komen and got really involved uh, and enthralled in, in many of uh, parts of the organization and contributed in many ways. And I wanted to share a lot of those resources with the readers. And then I wrote, my second book about the legal injustice system, about going through divorce and tried to make it humorous, even though it wasn't a funny situation, just because it just helped me for healing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't a fun time whatsoever, but um, I think I found a lot of um, cracks and mishaps in the legal system like I did in the medical system. And um, so I documented that journey just to help other people that might be going through divorce in the future to give them some guidance and some tips. And then I started to write about becoming an entrepreneur because I had just recently become an entrepreneur and I was dabbling in many different things from uh, writing and digital media and entrepreneurship and becoming a small business owner, but then really taking it much deeper and further into fashion design and tech innovation. And so I talked about the whole phase of ideation of how you come up with an idea and take it from A to Z and what that whole process is all about. And that book was called Live Your Dreams. So, with Bliss, Legal Injustice, and Live Your Dreams, I came up with this trilogy series and I launched that before I launched the uh, Crisscross Intimates collection.
2: Mm. Oh, I love hearing all of that. And we'll be sure to link to all of those in our show notes too for people to find them. Mm -hmm. But I love how you just, it sounds like kind of instinctually turn to paper to process and make sense of what you had been going through. And it seems like it's also natural for you to want to share that to make it easier for someone else also going through a similar situation.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, because I had never done this before. I wasn't like I was accustomed to writing and doing this in the past. I was just, you know, your typical sales manager, marketing, media manager, publishing and producing TV commercials, and maybe writing scripts and Mm. productions and things like that. But I really hadn't written anything personal before. And now I've written so many personal stories that I've found it to be helpful. I've gotten a lot of feedback. People enjoy reading them. And I ended up uh, writing as a columnist for many different intimate apparel magazines and uh, business magazines. And just, I found that sharing tidbits of what you've been through and then relating it to whatever the topic may be um, has been inspirational to my writing style. And uh, that pen to paper has really been a direction that I've enjoyed, you know, something passionate that I'm about and I continue to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if you might have any advice for people who don't consider themselves writers. You know, I have mm-hmm. a lot of people come to wildfire who like you're just describing, maybe have written professionally, you know, written in a very different way. And then the trauma of going through cancer combined with all of the the other traumas, right? Like none of us seem to arrive at cancer without having other life traumas. So it all Mm -hmm. stacks up. And so people eventually come and feel like they need to start writing and they feel like they have these stories that need to come out, but have maybe never done vulnerable writing before, really put the spotlight on themselves. So what, how was that experience for you when you first started that? Did you find it alien or did it kind of flow for you? And do you have any advice there?
0: Yeah, no, I do. Um, I had some people reach out to me on LinkedIn and, you know, ask for advice. You know, they had this idea. They wanted to, you know, they shared with me their personal experience. And they said, I, I don't know where to go from here. You know, how do, how do you go about publishing a book? Mm. How do you go about you know, taking your idea and making it into a story, or how do you take, um, you know, this poem and then broaden, you know, the, the concept from that. So I have given some tips and advice to people along the way. I have uh, business consulting services available. And it's actually very similar to, you know. I think your workshops are fabulous and how you kind of break down um, the context of how to write and, and really going deep into the thought process of, you know, what they have experienced and making them really think about what they feel and what they've, you know, how they've been vulnerable during that time kind of brings out that creativity. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of photographers and, um, uh, videographers that I started working with early in the fashion business told me that I was most creative. They saw most creativity in me when I would be going through the most tragic times in my life. Mm. And I realized that that is very true. I think a lot of your most creative creativity comes out through tragic experiences. And so if you can somehow document them, if it's a thought, if it's a, a, you know, a message, whatever, even if it's in the middle of the night, I suggest wake up, write it down because in the morning you may not re- remember it the same way that you thought about it. If um, you know you're in the shower, whatever, you know, stop and take a break and and jot down those thoughts because it may turn into something. And I do that. I I actually, if I. I take notes, I make lists all the time, and I really build upon those. And sometimes, I mean, I can be doing one thing, and I'll have an adjunct thought about something else, and I'll jot it down and then go back to it at a later date, and then kind of build on that thought or that, um, you know, concept and and build it into a story. Mm. So sometimes that's helpful, too.
2: Yeah, well, and you know, you just said one of my favorite ways for people to start writing, which is to start with a list because I think a list kind of tricks you into writing. Everyone writes lists Mm -hmm. all day long. We are doing this. And so you can apply that same idea to, you know, tracking where you've been. You talk in your story about, you know, the spreadsheet that you created to kind of keep track of where you had been. Like it's this way of entering into the story that maybe feels safer at first. And then you can go back and and bring in some of those more vulnerable points, um, you know, feelings and whatnot. So I love that you do that too.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes too, it may let you look at it from a different perspective, maybe a maybe it's not a global perspective, but you're looking at it from a top down and looking at it from a different view. And also, you may be able to share that list if you're comfortable with somebody else to say, what do you think about this? And you might be able to get some insight from a valuable friend or colleague that might be able to share some insight as well. Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, so I want to um, kind of switch gears here just a little bit and go into the entrepreneurial work that you've done beyond being um, an author and into mm-hmm. your bra design. Will you tell us a little bit more about about magnets and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, just shaking up the, the garment industry?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I did. So I really have never been a fashion designer, didn't know anything about it. And I just kind of jumped right into it. I, because I had four long years with my breast cancer recovery, and back and forth into the hospital and multiple hospitals, I was given different types of bras. And each one I really disliked. (laughs) It was uncomfortable, they were ugly. And I would typically have a surgery on a Thursday and try to go back to work on a Monday. So you would still have to wear these bras and I would be hiding them, you know, and oftentimes wear my, um, now my ex-husband, but his shirts to work because you try to have to cover them. They would be really high up to the neck and, you know, it wouldn't be fashionable underneath that you could wear a feminine blouse or anything like that over it. And so number one, I was trying to hide them. Number two, they're just uncomfortable and they weren't fashionable. So I just decided that they needed to fashion forward and I kept waiting and waiting. And after I wrote my book, I said, gee, somebody's, why hasn't anybody come out with anything? It's four years later, you know, I still don't see anything contemporary in the market. And um, so I just decided to give it a whirl, you know, one hospital stay, I was like, you know, just sketching pen to paper again and, and decided to design some sketches. And I was never a drawer or anything like that, an artist. And I ended up designing a whole utility patent design of 20 designs and went through the whole process of, you know, hiring a patent attorney and, you know, creating a logo and trademark and copyright and all that for for the brand and went through the, the traditional process of creating a whole new brand and um, then put it into play and I did exactly what I the steps that I wrote in Live Your Dreams of how to you know create a product and I did the outsourcing, the manufacturing I searched companies and products and bra straps and fabric and bra manufacturers and all of that myself and I just self-educated just like I did with self-publishing. And for me, it was exciting because it was new, but it wasn't uh, so foreign. It was almost like I was just new, learning a new customer, but I wasn't really you know, threatened or you know, intimidated by learning this side of the industry. And I networked from the top down in the fashion industry and you know, collaborated with many new partners, created an advisory board and just figured out how to make it happen with my media and tech background. And that's what I did. And I, the the bra, the first bra that I came out with, called the Nina bra, was dedicated to my aunt who died of breast um, breast cancer, stage four malignant breast cancer. So I wanted it to be named after her. And a couple of my other designs are named after family and friends as well. But this particular bra has a magnet on both sides so that it's a wrap bra and you can just slide into it. I realized I had a very difficult time lifting my hands over my head. And I couldn't even shut the windows in my home. And my home at the time had over 30 windows and I was really frustrated. And as a single mom, you know, it was, you know, I could barely lift a bag of groceries, you know, after having so many breast surgeries and you lose your muscles and everything, um, the upper body. So I really wanted a bra that would be comfortable and easy to get slip into. So that was one of the designs. Uh, because the frost straps kept falling down, I created the racer back and I wanted it to be sexy, so I added mesh to it. And I used all high end accessories and fabrics, uh, a luxury fabric from Italy, uh, so that it's seamless and laser cut. You don't have to have any seams. I never liked anything picky or, you know, that could be um, bothersome, especially you have so many incisions that. You know, I didn't want anything rubbing up against you. So I added a lot of soft, cushiony padding and um, just try to make it look really fashionable. And the other thing, I I made it colorful. You know, I made 10 different colors um, and matching briefs and thongs. And everyone was saying, you know, in the bra industry, they were saying, why are you making thongs? Why are you making briefs? I'm like, because when you look down at yourself after you've lost your breasts, you know, you want to look good. And you want to feel good about yourself. So I wanted the whole ensemble. So I did that. And um, I made it happen. And, uh, you know, now I have this whole collection. And that alone is, you know, 60 skews right there, you know, with uh, 10 colors of the uh, 10 bras and 10 briefs and thongs. And then I made, you know, multiple sizes and everything. And it just kind of took off from there. So I invested a lot up front. I just didn't start with one color, one bra, and start going easy. I kind of went full force.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love hearing these stories of turning pain into purpose. And I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like your your book is called. But I think that it's so inspiring to hear you talk about this because I can – our, you know, our listeners can't see you, but we are on a Zoom mm-hmm. here and I can see you and you're just beaming talking about this work that you do. And it's so inspiring when people who've been through an experience then turn around, turn that into something to make the experience better for someone else. Yeah. So thank you, Jean. Thank you for doing that. Thank
0: you. Yeah, and that's that's what I've wanted to do, you know, to to rock. Breast cancer survivors world, you know, if, if I don't have to go through it again, somebody else can have a better experience than I have. Mm-hmm. Had.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So tell us where can people find you online and find all of your all of your work.
0: Yes, thank you. Uh, they can find um, me for media business consulting at genechrismedia.com backslash contact um, or just email me at gene at genechrismedia.com. My Bra collection is found at crisscrossintimates.com, and um, the book series is also found under jeanchrismediacom backslash author trilogy series. So you'll find everything there. You'll also find the books and the bras sold on Amazon, and in a variety of other marketplaces.
2: Perfect, and we'll link to everything too. Okay. So my writer and guest today is Jean Chris. Her piece was called, My Million Dollar Boobs Led to a Million Words. This is out now in the August, September 2022 issue of Wildfire called Money and Cancer. Thank you again, Jean. Thanks, April i'm april stearns and you've been listening to the burn the burns a production of wildfire magazine where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before we also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat our producer is bill smith of shoe production and our production assistant is monica harrow Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 38 issues in the wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story, and don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Here is today's writing prompt. I want you to make a list of all the times money has come up in your cancer experience. This is going to be a list. Like Jean and I talked about, a list is a great way to trick yourself into writing. So title this list, Money, Memories, and Forgiveness. Set your timer for 10 minutes and begin to walk back through your cancer memories, looking for money stories. These are any memory in which money was involved. Look for physical sensations in your body as you look at these moments. Maybe you'll feel anger, resentment, embarrassment, or shame. These are memories that you want to write down. They're stored somewhere in your head. They're stored in your body. They count. Begin with 10 minutes keep your hand moving, write down this list of everything you can think of. And then part two is to take one memory from your list of money memories and tell the story behind it. Set your timer for 10 minutes, write without stopping. Where will it take you? Who else was there? What was happening? Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.